Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Confessions of a Keyboardist. I'm Amy Frederick and I'm sitting here today with Dan Monaco. Welcome, Dan. Thank you very much, Amy. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much. We have worked hard to make this happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've uh, we've had to phone tag each other, text tag each other. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's the summertime in Nashville for mm -hmm. you. Summertime. We've, I'm sure you're extremely busy. Well, I definitely I like to try and stay stay busy and keep keep the calendar full, keep keep the hours in the day full. So yeah. Yes. Well, th thanks so much. It's like six thirty, seven o'clock at night, y'all. And he, you know, Dan's work today, and so I'm just so um, so grateful that you're willing to come and talk about keyboards and let's just geek out over it. Of course, that's <laughs> that's one of the things that we as piano players, as keyboard players, enthusiasts just are able to bond over. Is if nobody else has it, we can do it. Let's do it. That is for sure. Um, <laughs> so I, you know, I know some things about you, but I don't know very much. So I mean, maybe we should just. Let's just jump in with chronological order, if that's okay. Sure. And you can give me some background information, and as we go, I'll probably think of things mm -hmm. like, you know, I'll skip all over the place, because that's kind of how I, my brain works, maybe. Absolutely. <laughs> sure. Well, um, I, I grew up in Chicago, Illinois. Um, I was born in Detroit, and uh, took piano lessons as a kid, uh, was in high school choirs and uh, musical performances and such. I studied music education. Uh, with a focus in high school choral, middle school and high school choral. Wow. Um, middle school. Mm -hmm. And I was in Chicago uh, for some time as a school teacher. Yeah. Um, and moved. In Chicago. But yes. you grew up in Detroit. No, I uh, was born in Detroit, uh, lived in, actually in outside Toronto for a few years with my family wow. um, in the early 90s. And wow. then moved to Chicago uh, for first grade. And then just went up, graduated high school, suburban Chicago. Okay, and then taught school in mm -hmm. Chicago. Went to went to school in music education. Yes. Choir, middle school age. That's a hard age. A lot of people are frightened of that age. I think it's definitely it's definitely a uh, a unique age group to teach. That's for sure to to work with. They're my favorites. They're a challenge. To be yeah. honest with you. What makes them your favorites? Oh, but this isn't about me. But um. okay, sure, sure. Well, I have, I have, you know, it, it, it's. I've got things I like about middle school age too. I'm wondering if we have something to say. Yeah, they're goofy, um, but they're sweet, and they're still like a little bit like kids. That, but they're not kids so much that you have to uh, change diapers or you know mm -hmm. <laughs> do things like uh, they. They're just to me. That's a very absorbed, interested, um, engaging age. They're funny. They're sweet. They're everything. They're left and they're right. They're they're up and they're down. They're trying to kind of figure out how to be people around each other. What's appropriate? What's fair? What's what's nice? And you know, it's yeah. an interesting age. I do think so. so. Um, and guys are their voices are changing. If you're a choir <laughs> teacher at that age, <laughs> that's a huge challenge. That's right? a whole like that's a whole in in um, I mean in, in middle school, elementary, middle school methods. You talk about you know different instrument areas and different topics, but male changing voice is definitely a topic you, you got to uh, something you need to work through with with kids. I would think throughout the year, sometimes somebody could go from the uh, the top to the bottom. They come back from winter break or something. They're a couple <laughs> inches taller, or they're, you know, their feet are bigger, or their voices are are. Or, or deeper, it's it's a challenge. That's fun. Right. Wow. So, um, were you a singer as a child? Not really. Um, I was uh, in I, in middle school. I uh, was playing in just concert bands, jazz bands, and such. 
um, in high school, my older sister said, hey, uh, if you uh, sing in choir, you'll get to hang out with you know, junior and senior girls as a freshman. <laughs> if you can sing out pitch, you'll, you'll be okay to you know, at least have a couple classes with some, some upperclassmen. Upper so uh, I have my older sister really to, uh, to thank for getting me into singing, which kind of developed my ear and, and, act, and, and it was then in, uh, with my high school uh, really choral experience and uh, uh, like working with musicals and, and variety shows, that, that teacher uh, was, was really who inspired me to pursue music as wow. music education Gotcha. Uh, when I went out to, to school. Were you playing much piano at that point or were you out in front like singing and acting and dancing and all that stuff that you have to do for musicals? Uh, I was in, in, I didn't act really a whole lot. I did a couple of uh, musicals in, in high school, but um, piano was my first instrument. Right. I started to play when I was eight years old. Uh, my mom uh, read an article in Reader's Digest that said if your kids take piano lessons, it'll help improve their math scores, their reading scores, or you know all their all these different core subject areas. So right, we had a deal. I have an older sister, two years older, and I have a younger sister, two years younger. Okay. And the deal was with my folks. My mom says you have to uh, take start taking piano lessons in second grade. You've got to play through. Uh, freshman year of high school. If you want to keep going, cool. If you want to stop, that's cool. You just got to go for those, what would be seven years. Oh, and wow. so, you know, we were always two years apart. Um, my older sister, Melissa, began two years later. I was, I was on board. And then two years later, my younger sister, Jen, who uh, is, uh, she, she and I, when we were kids, were really competitive. And so when I hit the, hit that uh, fourth grade, um, point probably that every boy taking piano lessons does you know it's like where well, I don't want to play piano anymore my younger sister's the one who kind of you know when I my mom said she's like if you want to if you want to quit you know Jen's going to be uh, she's going to be that much in, in two years she'll be just as good as you are <laughs> and uh, you're oh. going to have to I don't know how you're going to want to deal with that so I stuck with it and <laughs> I have my I guess earlier I have my sister to thank for that's uh, awesome. Keep me going with piano. <laughs> Did she keep going? <laughs> uh, no, uh, but interestingly enough, both of my sisters have spent time as educators, as teachers. Okay. So was someone else in your family a, a teacher as well? Um, a lot of uh, a lot of my uh, uh, cousins on my dad's side are in education. Gotcha. Um, but interestingly enough, like my. My parents and uh, not really any of my aunts or uncles are really or were ever really musical. Um, just had some positive music experiences growing up that you know my folks were able to right. put me in position to have. Right. So they are just basically putting your mom's putting you in so that you can have good math scores. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind yeah. of develop you know your brain properly mm -hmm. and um, and be a good problem solver and d discipline all the other things. That music, I mean, we, I know that music lessons does that for people because I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a piano teacher some of the time at least. So what, um, you're, you're starting at eight years old. What, did, were you doing like method books and the traditional type of lessons? I studied with, uh, Mrs. Hillman was, uh, the staunch, strict piano teacher. I can still see at any piano her leather chair sitting to the right 
of mine with her pencil pointing at the <laughs> at the notes. Um, so I guess I, I, I learned to, uh, uh, to read notes on the page. So I guess that's being classically trained to an extent. Yeah. Um, I studied with the Alfred Basics piano series. Right. Where there was a theory book. Yeah. Um, you know, like a technique book. Yeah. Um, you know, recital, popular, right. whatever it was, but uh, it was, uh, and then some supplemental theory as well. Okay. Um, but basically, uh, played piano or had piano lessons through uh, through the rest of high school. Um, and same teacher or different teachers? I studied with Mrs. Hillman until that ninth grade mark. Um, I switched over to a different teacher uh, out of suburban Chicago named Larry Diefenbach. Wow. Has a studio there um, and also uh, runs some some events at. I guess Elgin Community College. There's a uh, a large event that goes on in January. Um, American Grands. They've got uh, an event where he, he puts together where it's I think I think maybe 15 or 16 different grands just sitting on the stage, and for the entire night there's all these performances where it's all songs for four hands. So it's it's little kids playing you know these duets, uh, but then it's also you know where there's 15 or 16. Um, you know, professional level area musicians. And wow. He put on that event. And um, when I was going to start to, uh, when I realized that I, you know, had a passion for and wanted to pursue music um, just at a different level, that was when I moved on, studied with him for a few years. Gotcha. So he was more classical as well, or did he do all kinds of things? Uh, he was definitely uh, uh, more more classically inspired um, so you're working on technique and big pieces, repertoire, and mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> it was uh, it was actually a, a neighbor of mine um, who has actually has uh, has since passed. Uh, Tony, um, he he was my he was my dad's friend, dad's agent in the neighborhood, and, uh, and he had a, a Yamaha grand piano over at their house, um, sitting on these wood floors and. Um, Yikes! Tony, Tony got, uh, uh, you know, he he had a couple of kids. My or a couple, he and his wife have a, a couple of kids, uh, my age, and uh, so my when my sisters would be over there playing uh, with the Felbab kids, um, Tony and I would be sitting at the piano, and that was where I got a little bit more of what I'd call like a rock and roll, nitty gritty side of of playing music, playing piano and keyboards the plot thickens <laughs> <laughs> Tony was uh, Tony's Tony like Tony was a man <laughs> Tony's putting on Rolling Stones records mm-hmm. or stuff like that <laughs> <clears throat> yeah no it was always uh, um, I'm not even sure how much I can I can I can say with uh, with keeping it within the realm of, of PG but uh, <laughs> just a great friend and a great neighbor um, introduced me to a lot of good uh, just, uh, I mean, starting to listen to, um, you know, older rock and roll music where there was, where there was pianos and stuff in there. Gotcha. Um, I wouldn't, nec- I wouldn't go over there and study with him or have, uh, you know, particular like weekly assignments or anything like that. But, right. Right. Um, always something to learn. That was, that was when I really, I guess, started to realize looking back that, you know, anytime you have an opportunity to. Part of what I enjoy about playing music with people is just that it's an opportunity to create with others in the presence of others. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it can look a myriad of different ways. 
Yeah. So he's exposing you to all, to a different type of music. Mm-hmm. Um, your parents didn't listen to rock and roll too much, or my dad's got a huge record collection, um, and actually. Um, we were talking the other day. Uh, he's going to be bringing some of them down here. My folks still live up in Chicago, but um, I guess some of my some of my early memories in, in the car, like riding the soccer games with my dad. He would have such an eclectic mix playing. I guess these are CDs, but he would have everything from the Guess Who to Bob Seger to Jimmy Buffett to the Eagles to the Beatles, um, and just you know when I even to this day when I hear. Uh, these songs, or I even see the the album cover. Mm-hmm. It takes me back to to seeing that with my dad and my my mom. Kind of on the other side of the coin, she had uh, Simon and Garfunkel. She had Paula Abdul. She had Queen. Um, just some pretty monumental bands that I think you know. When I when I think of um, some of the heavy hitters in all across all genres yeah. throughout the years, I'm, I, I feel like I got a I didn't, it took me some time to realize how uh, how good of a exposure to a wide variety of music that I that I got as a kid, and a lot of that was from my folks. Yeah, so, so they're music lovers, mm-hmm. if not players themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely love music, and have have a wide. I mean, at least in rock and roll, in terms of rock and roll, lots yeah. of. Uh, Lots of different choices. Yeah, and it was it was definitely, I'm sure, a challenge for for my folks to have, you know, ninety minutes of music being practiced every single day <laughs> in the house. But uh, you know, uh, they they definitely cared about us learning and learning how to uh, develop discipline to work towards something. Yeah. And I think we all, in our own way, kind of got that. That's really through, cool. Through playing piano. Absolutely. Yeah. So you you said you played in like jazz. Did you play in jazz band, concert band? Were you in band? I was in middle school. I played the trumpet and the French horn. Okay. Um, in concert band and jazz bands, I played uh, piano, and then I. That's it, hard. That's a big leap, really, to play. Well, that was. I, I remember in middle school. That was when I started to um, started to. You know, I was handed lead sheets. Right. Charts. Right. Did I that... didn't really know what I could see. Like I saw, like okay, G seven. I know how to, I know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but or... all these other, you know, sharp symbols and all this and that and slash marks and writ, like I didn't quite understand what that meant. Right. So um, it was learning to read the notes on the page, learning you know bass clef, tri- bass clef, treble clef, grand staff, understanding how to how yeah. to do that. Um, yeah. And then moving into chart reading, and um, in uh, in school when I started to study for for my music ed degree, um, you know, learning more theory and uh, oral skills and, and such, um, you know, that was when I, I guess, re, you know, was able to kind of combine the skills, combine the things to see like note reading and sight reading, and kind of figure out how to make my way through. Isn't that the truth? Ear training does uh, so much to tie the two worlds in. Mm-hmm. Together, um, are you taking piano lessons when you first get to college, or are you? Did they clip you out of? I mean, I know a lot of like college music majors have to take sure, sure, piano. sure. So, um, as a choral music education major, the primary instrument was voice. So I did take voice lessons. I um, studied with a couple TAs my first couple years, and then a, 
uh, an adjunct professor for, for some time uh, towards the end of my time there at school. Um, but uh, had a secondary, like you're, you had to have a secondary instrument. Uh, many, many kids did go with piano. Um, I spoke with the staff and said, or I, I asked, I said, you know, I would be fine in these classes, but I would benefit more from perhaps trying to proficiency out and maybe study some jazz keyboarding classes. Yeah. So they let you do it. I had an opportunity for either two or three semesters in school to uh, study with uh, a higher level jazz keyboard uh, student and then uh, another professor who was there in a, in a, both of those were in group settings. So they were still, because some of the other students in, there's a, I attended the University of Illinois, which has a great school of music that includes a great uh, education program, but also a jazz program. Absolutely. Champaign-Urbana? Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it was renowned when I was, uh, you know, in my 20s. Yeah. I remember that well. Um, so you're, like, so there's a ton of jazz pianists there, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, the class that I was in uh, was, I think, maybe five or six other students. Some were freshmen as jazz majors some were uh like sophomore juniors who were kind of in my situation um so but basically the room you know would have um instructors piano up there and they're all like they're all um i guess would be like a clavinova or something like that that has like the audio input yeah yeah the headphones you're all kind of on headphones but he has a a mixer up front where he's able to kind of dial into yours or zip over here or hit everybody at once. Yeah, yeah. So, class, just like class piano. Yeah. Belmont's just, I taught that for a few years. Okay. And same kind of setup. A piano lab, basically. Exactly. Okay. So you're learning how to voice jazz chords, basically. I was, I mean, I was handed uh, a, uh, a 251 sheet front and back. It had different inversions. Uh, I guess invert, um, you know, like uh, starting with like three and seven in on your two, um, you know, moving that way in all 12, 12 keys, and then on the other side it was with your seven and then your three moving through. Um, right. And then uh, I also, um, and I still have, it's the, the Jazz Piano Book mm-hmm. uh, by Mark Levine, I believe. Levine, Levine. Yeah, yeah. I believe is his name. Yeah. Um, so I guess you're talking about something like, um, let's see what. Just a typical kind of, yeah, <laughs> okay. uh, ending in, in however many jazz tunes. And you gotta go to the next key. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just moving through the circle. Okay. Exactly. That kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. just, you're being drilled, but I mean, uh, it sounds to me like you're, what you're saying is that's sort of a pivotal class. Things started shifting for you to piano wise, or it did. It your was ears open up, and definitely, definitely with uh, being able to hear and just to develop, develop my ear, um, mm-hmm. both on my instrument, but then also um, in an ensemble setting. Um, it was, uh, it was really only a couple. It was really a couple years later that I started to to play with a few bands. It was after I finished school. Um, I moved to, so I, uh, I finished up and uh, got a job teaching kindergarten through sixth grade uh, general music on the south side of Chicago. Um, and I was there for uh, some time while I 
uh, I think in my second year, I directed a pit orchestra for a high school fall semester musical. Okay. Where I had about three weeks to work with these high, to meet these high school kids, um, teach them this pretty gnarly score uh, for this show called The Drowsy Chaperone. I've never heard of that. And I had I hadn't either. So it was <laughs> it was uh, it was pretty neat. Um, but it was a, it was an incredible experience. The uh, drummer for the pit orchestra, uh, he and I clicked right away, and um, so he was definitely my lifeline, kind of between the stage world and the the pit world for that show. But um, he had just finished recording uh, with a group in. Uh, Chicago-based group up in uh, Wisconsin, Appleton, Wisconsin, um, and uh, they said that the uh, producer put some keyboard and organ tracks over it that they liked, and so they were thinking about starting to play with a keyboard organ player. Okay. And so um, we connected musically during that uh, pit orchestra experience, and uh, I jumped on board with with that group in Chicago for about uh, about four years up there before I came, before I decided to come to Nashville. Yeah. So what kind of stuff are you playing and what's the name of the group? And Up there, it's a, it's a group called Mike Flood and Co. Um, okay. It's our, uh, uh, our, our front man, Mike Flood. Um, yeah. Who, uh, it was a five-piece, um, just guitar, bass, drums, um, accordion, and auxiliary percussion, um, and then I played uh, keyboards. Whoa. So there's an accordion player and, and a keyboard player. Mm-hmm. Wow, mm-hmm. how cool is we, that? We had, uh, and that was really what I would call my first uh, first real, you know, band experience. Um, of course, with the name, it was Mike's material and Mike's, uh, Mike's writing for the most part. Um, but uh, it was really the first time that, that I had the opportunity to um, get together with and, and kind of be, in, be musical in less of a kind of a educational setting and more of a oh yeah I, I mean nothing against teaching I love teaching teaching really feeds my playing but playing really feeds my teaching it's like I, I have to yeah. have it's very hard to just be a teacher and uh, when you're teaching young young people you know you're so um, you're doing more than just teaching music I, I feel like you're having you're doing a lot of things probably so I can see why playing would be very uh, would feed you it was definitely something that I uh, enjoyed using to supplement what I was doing as a teacher. Um, uh, you know, I, I did learn early on that I, I started to uh, learn early on about myself that I that I liked to play music and I just liked to seek opportunities to do that, however that would look. Yeah. Just just do it. What kind of uh, material is he writing? Like, what kind of? Is it a- um, while uh, while I was with them, it was uh, folk. I mean, we say Americana down here a lot, but uh, at the time, I guess this was uh, 2012 through 14 or so, um, we were playing. It was some bluegrass. Our uh, our bass player uh, was actually a guitar player, but was able to kind of hold down and, and move melodically, and you know what I mean. Like when it's when it's a, a string player who can. Who happens to play a bass as well, but can still do it very well, very tastefully. Yeah. Um, so it was just a, it was a pleasure to play with 
with with those guys. Did you sing as well? Uh, just some background vocals. Okay. Um, I even though I um, I studied voice and and singing technique and still work with I mean even now um, some a, a couple different choral settings with teachers and kids. Um, I really uh, in a performance setting I don't necessarily uh, feel I thrive on in singing roles. I like to sit back and lock in with either a rhythm section uh, or, I don't know. Right. That's kind of, that's where I, I feel I feel my most comfortable. Gotcha. So the kind of stuff you're playing with them is mostly like piano or mm-hmm. electric pianos? Yeah. So I had, uh, I, I had a, a Roland RD300NX uh, up there and that was... Uh, for most of the time that I play with them, the only board that I would use. Um, I love uh, the the feel and uh, a lot of the patches there on uh, on the Roland. Um, I would use the organs on there. Um, that's uh, I guess for for a lot of things, but uh, it wasn't really until I moved down here uh, to Nashville that I learned. Well, if you're gonna play a piano, you should probably at least know how to move around an organ. Yeah. Some. At the very least, very so, popular instrument down here. It's uh, it definitely is, and um, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like um, it as non-keyboard players might not necessarily realize that you know just because it has white keys, black keys, it's not necessarily the same. It really isn't at all the same. Keyboard technique, moving around, voicings, of course, is they they are, but. Um, there's so much like the the plane of of uh, like the palette that you're able to use mm-hmm. musically sonically is so vastly different. Right, the draw bars cause a um, depth. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> depth of sound, the absolutely. the um, the overtone series, I guess mm-hmm. you'd say. Um, well, okay, so let's get back to that. So, so what made you? We'll, we'll come back to Oregon. Sure. What made you move here? You said um, before I hit the record button. Um, you said you've been here almost four years, I think. Mm-hmm. So, what made you make the big leap to come to Nashville? Uh, I was in my fifth year of teaching when I was starting to think about what I was maybe what I wanted to do next, um, or if what I was doing um, and where I was teaching was where I wanted to continue to be. Um, I had taken a uh, trip to Boston with two very good friends of mine from college and um, actually to get a bit dark for just a brief moment while we were gone uh, one of my friends uh, had a very close friend of his pass away um, in a car accident while we were gone Um, I wasn't very good friends with uh, with the a friend who had passed, but uh, a lot of my good friends were good friends with him. And um, while we were in Boston, just kind of knew, knowing that this had happened, but um, just having some time to reflect, uh, I had realized, you know, life is pretty short. Yeah. And if you're filling your time with things that, uh, you know, don't make you happy, what are you doing? Yeah. I realized that uh, there wasn't really anything tying me to Chicago. Uh, nothing really 
tying me to that particular position as a teacher um, and uh, decided to uh, over couple months later at that spring break I came down and uh, stayed with my friend Ben who I believe you've spoken with too previously uh, yeah. uh, Ben Opcha yeah yeah um, he's, he, he's on the show uh, several months ago okay yeah um, Ben is also Ben and I met in our music ed program at the University of Illinois okay and uh, he Taught for a few years, played uh, some dueling uh, pianos in Indianapolis for a while, but moved down here and was doing pretty well. Um, I had kept in touch with him uh, early on when he made the made the leap down here, and uh, gave him a call. I said, "Hey, man, I got some time off over spring break. Can I come hang for a week?" So um, came down. He uh, brought me around, showed me a couple. Uh, a couple venues, uh, Broadway, of course, um, but then also uh, took me up uh, north of town to uh, an area called Fontenelle in Whites Creek. Yeah. Um, and uh, had an opportunity to uh, meet some of the people up there and was um, offered a, a tour guide position there at the, uh, at the, the Fontenelle Mansion, kind of right on the spot. You know, it was down here just for a couple of days, but, um, they said, Hey, you know, finish things up in, uh, uh, put a button on things in Chicago and uh, give us a call. We'll figure something out for you to do down here. Great. Wow. What a sign. I mean, so, yeah. so this is in probably the month of March or April. Mm-hmm. And you got a month or so left on your teaching job. We went through, I think, part of June um, that school year with that at that uh, with that with that school. But um, when you yeah. go back, are you knowing you're going to come to Nashville at that point? Or are you like I'm doing? I it? submitted my letter of resignation on that ensuing Monday, uh, <laughs> effective the end of the school year. Immediately. Uh, I, well, see. Um, one of the things that uh, definitely weighed heavily on my decision um, was that I really like working with people. I like working with kids. Uh, I like showing people how to do things. Um, I like working with people. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was in the classroom, I remember uh, I was supervising lunch and like a student just like spilled some ketchup on my shoe or something like that. And I was just like, what am I doing here I'm, I'm i'm i enjoy the teaching part but there are so many things that i just don't uh i, I don't feel i should be I, I don't want to be filling my time with right now um and for me to me as a teacher to have some of these kids who are in um in middle school who are impressionable um for me to you know, stand there and say, follow your dreams. And mm-hmm. these are all the things you can do with your life. You know, like in a, in a, in a sense, you, yes, you are teaching the subject, but you're also, as you said, you're teaching them so many more things, mm-hmm. um, that they're picking up from. I, I felt that, um, in a sense, I owed it to them and owed it to myself to at least go and try something. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So it's very gutsy, but I, you know, I'd have to say my story's kind of similar. Um, when, when you just make your mind up that you've got to try, you know, 
it's a good thing to go ahead and just do it, especially when you're young, especially. Mm-hmm. So you get down here, um, what, April, um, I'm going to say July or August? July 31st, 2015. <laughs> you know the date. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. I pretty much know my date, too. Was it? Okay. Are you okay? Yeah. 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 Well, it's, it's, it, it is interesting as, uh, as each... I guess you. I remember it because as each year passes, it's interesting to think back and be reflective on mm-hmm. just where you are where, and and what was um, what was different. What were you doing a year ago? You know, what did you wake up and do? What were you going to play? What were you um, worried about? What were you happy about? <laughs> right. Yeah. So you, you get down here, and what's the um. What's the first memory you have? Like f- first gig, was it good or scary? <laughs> my first, my first gig, my first two gigs were awesome. Um, ben uh, subbed out. Uh, it was a Wednesday night rooftop at Rock Bottom Brewery downtown. Downtown. Okay. Um, they had a Wednesday night summer series, and uh, I think either those first two Wednesdays or whatever. He said, "Hey, I'm out of town. Can you cover these?" I was like, "Okay, cool. I just I'm just loading my gear up, taking this elevator up, walking five steps around the corner, setting this up on this beautiful summer night on this rooftop down. This is what playing in Nashville is like. Okay, I can get used to this. I'm getting paid and I'm getting fed. Okay, all right, <laughs> cool. Um, <laughs> uh, I quickly learned uh, that uh, that's not necessarily what it what it's going to be or what it, what it is, but um, that was an interesting start, a memorable start. I'm sure. For sure. Um, and that's just like cover stuff, like country and rock? Yes. Um, there were two uh, There were two artists who, who fronted an acoustic guitar player and then uh, a fiddle player who both fronted things, and they would, they would trade tunes back and forth, and we were playing some covers, some of their material here and there. Okay. But um, Ben is able to, like, coach you and tell you, give you charts and stuff like that, or... Ben dropboxed me some charts. I remember, um, I remember that was, that was something that I, I was really excited to, like, print out and put together. I don't really, I'm, I'm less of an, I, even today, I'm less of an iPad chart guy. I like having, I like printing out and being able to write mm-hmm. and just having yeah. binders. I kind of, I, I sort of like collect my binders and I kind of organize them too. I like Me too. I, I use an iPad sometimes, but I'm much more comfortable. I, I, everything starts out as original piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Now take a picture of it. And put mm-hmm. it I sometimes do that. I'll have my like I'll have my phone out on the on a on a keyboard for if it's like one song or something like that. Yeah. But uh, but yeah. So he escorts you into your first couple gigs, and uh-huh. it's great. And then so what's you know, gosh, this is I'm just thinking that it would be probably helpful to to many keyboard players who like I have about thirty students. And there's a few who probably are contemplating a life of playing keyboards. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, to, to hear you, to, you know, tell what it's like to move to Nashville, like, that would probably be pretty helpful. <laughs> I mean, so what's the first three months like? And then after that, and, you know, like sure. You, you've been here four years, so kind of, if you want to, kind of give us a rundown of each year or okay. however you want to do it. But sure. I think sure. it would be extremely helpful. Well, I uh, I moved here with, uh, I mean, my gear, uh, my dog, 
her stuff, my golf clubs, like my bicycle, and some shirts. <laughs> um, you <great>. know, <laughs> what kind of dog? I have to ask. I'm a uh, person. Lucy is a lab pit Aww. princess. Oh, so little she, you know what. So she's mix. hung around with you mm-hmm. this entire time. That's she's awesome. been my ride or die. And you love golf. I do. That's awesome. Um, you wouldn't probably, if you watch me play, think that I'm <laughs> think that I do play a lot or think that I'm any good, but I, I do. I love to be outside and be in sun for sure. Yes. Okay. So golf clubs, clothes, rig, <laughs> dog, and um, you drive up on your in your car and. Uh huh. I came down. Car. I had a couple of buddies help me move, um, <laughs> and it was uh, it was you know kind of get my feet under me uh, as uh, like playing here and there. Um, I knew a little bit about charting Nashville number system. Is I mean it's it's pretty logical. I guess. Yeah. Um, at least as far as like being on a stage and being, you know, given symbols or whatever. Right. And using your ear. Um, but uh, I went. I remember I went down to Broadway just to not even to play, but to uh, listen to songs and just like make a note on my phone of just all the songs that they play. Uh, this is on Lower Broadway. Mm-hmm. So you, you're just doing your homework. Well, I thought that that was what um, I wanted to try and do. Sure. Um, I uh, realized that there are so many different ways that you can be involved as a musician down here. And they're all unique. They're all nuanced. They're all respectable, in my opinion. Um, They're not for everybody. But um, I think that, you know, playing on Broadway is definitely something that, you know, there's young people, old people all sorts of people who are playing and doing that down there so yeah um that was where i started to go around kind of meet some people shake some hands um learn how to like hand out a business card the right way i never really had to do that as a teacher (laughs) right (laughs) and um (laughs) but uh it was it was going out downtown a bit uh but then also going out to jams open jams okay um i mean Right when I moved here, there were there was of course the Monday Jam at Bourbon Street. It was uh, Andy T and Nick and Nick Nixon uh, at the helm at that point. Um, Tuesdays at the time was a Jazz Jam at Fat Bottom Brewery okay. on the east side of town. Uh, Wednesdays was a Jazz Jam at Tennessee Brew Works. Thursday was a Funk Jam uh, from the Hughes Trio at Nashville Underground downtown. That sounds amazing. And so um, I just wanted to go out. I I made a commitment to going out and talking to people and just maybe getting up and playing, but um, learning to not be upset and that it's okay if I don't get up there and play. Right. Um, One thing in Chicago, whenever I was either out at a show or uh, playing on a bill where there was another band with a keyboard keyboard player, I found myself um, oftentimes kind of not envious, but trying to see how I stack up against that player. Right. Um, while they're playing, thinking like, like like searching for the things they do wrong or do incorrect or that I would do differently. Right. Um, and I don't know, I realized I was, in a sense, kind of putting a wedge between myself and just another person, another player who I could maybe learn from. Um, so moving down here, I did my best to commit to just being more open to talking to other musicians, other keyboard players. Yeah. Um, and I feel that um, 
unique to Nashville is the fact that most people, for the most part, are pretty all right to just talk to. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's a gig for everyone, basically. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, it's it's just easier, I feel. I'm quoting Rachel Solomon. <laughs> I, I always have to give her credit for that because... Uh, you know, she, she was my first guest, and she, that you know, I never for, have forgotten. She said that, and and truly, you know, <clears throat> like Mo, Mo Denham, mm -hmm. you know, he's so willing to share, uh, and talk, and and help, and advise, and you know, uh, just be real. I mean, I'll use the phrase "wise beyond his years," but I, I think that that man is just extraordinary. Yeah, um, I've had a chance to. Uh, learn from Mo, just talk with him and, and spend some time with him. Um, you know, his his life is being an organ player. Yes. That's, that's his life, that's his heart. And I think that's tremendous. I admire that. Mm -hmm. I admire that. Um, real good guy, real kind of soul. Yes. So you're, you're going to jams and you're hanging out and you're just instead of doing the comparison thing, you're um, making friendships, making relationships. Seeing who wants to play, who might want to uh, link up and jam elsewhere, who needs a keyboard player, who, you know, who needs a sub, whatever. Yeah. Um, and is it getting you interesting opportunities? Or does it, how long does it take before you start getting some... Uh... You know, I mean, I... I and I, I kind of thought to do this, but I, I sort of I thought to look back to my calendar from a couple years ago just to sort of see like was it two weeks, was it three months, was it? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I I think that it, it was it was really into you know September October after being beginning August and July moved here. Um, I was playing a good amount, um, jamming a good amount, hitting Broadway when I could. Um, I was involved uh, for quite some time, um, again, up there at Fontenelle. I worked there a couple days a week as a tour guide. Um, it's the former home of a country singer named Barbara Mandrell. Right. And uh, at the time, uh, tours were available for just people passing through. There were Barbara fans, there were uh, rock and roll fans, because the, there are um, two uh, country music producers um, own and manage the place. Um, so it was, they, they brought on, you know, young, either new to town or just available musicians who had a Tuesday morning to afternoon free to come and, you know, show people around and talk about some of the music history. Um, you play and perform for the folks as well. Okay. It's cool in the, in the room they have this really uh, beautiful Baldwin uh, grand piano. Uh, it has these red flames on the side. I haven't played too many fire <laughs> pianos, but that was always a treat. To, and it was in this big room with these tall ceilings. It was always a treat to go and play play any any cool instrument. That's definitely one of them. Yeah? So you're networking basically in your day job as well. You're just networking all the time. And yeah, and um, kind of hanging around musicians. And, mm -hmm. Of course, that's easy to do in Nashville, really. There's so many musicians. But. Absolutely, and you know, you never know. It, it, it's it's always funny to see how small of a town it is or it can be. Um, you know, as over over time, you realize that you know whether it's mutual friends that you have on Facebook or something like that, or you'll find a text message thread for a, a gig that you're playing, and you're like, oh, I recognize you know two or three other people in this 
yeah. in this thread or whatever. Um, it's it's a good place to be. Do you um, do you do much recording? Do you record at home? <laughs> I, I don't. Know, some people, you know, are really into that. Yeah, um, I have uh, I have recorded uh, some here and there. Uh, a lot of it, honestly, I, I put together some home recordings for family, um, but uh, nothing like nothing professional that I'll record remotely to then send off elsewhere. Um, I have uh, put some piano tracks, some organ tracks down uh, with some with some artists, with some friends around town here and there. Right. Um, What's your favorite style to play so far? I like to play the blues. I definitely do. Um, I'm learning every day and continually, fasc- continually fascinated by the organ, um, which yeah. is definitely lending itself to blues playing. Um, Me too. I love Hammond organ. Um, so you know Mo. You, have you, mm-hmm. Has he given you tips and stuff like that? Or oh, every time I'm around the guy, yeah, really? he's always got some, some <laughs> piece of wisdom. Definitely. Um, I've... Uh, uh, I, I've listened to he. Uh, I, I went out to uh, to visit him once uh, in his home in Burns, and uh, was lucky enough to spend some time just uh, listening to him chat about his organ playing throughout his life. Um, he has two organs there in the living room. Yes. He had I think four or five more on dollies downstairs. Some of them covered, one of them open and playable like yeah. you could get to it um, but yeah a lot of a lot of a lot of tips and uh, he, he uh, um, one thing that I, I, I have his uh, one of his records um, in pretty heavy rotation in my car um, yeah he's got a record called the soul jazz sessions I believe um, I want to yes. say it was 2003 maybe so yeah that sounds um, right and uh, a lot of times when I'm way out to a gig to play any any kind of gig any style um i'll put that on just to just to kind of listen and kind of get in get in the sound mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> that's cool yeah get you ready primed mm-hmm. it's like a choke on a lawnmower <laughs> Press exactly that. yeah mm-hmm. or if you're if you're going out to sing you know you want to get some sort of i don't know barbershop quartet music or something <laughs> right? ready to go right so blues <laughs> do you uh you do much rock Country? I do. Um, I'll I'll play a lot of that. Uh, like even in, coming up here in in the next couple of weeks and, and months, I'm, uh, I, I like to play a lot of uh, like these tribute shows around town. Yes. Um, where they there's a lot of them have either a band or a couple different or like a a tribute to Wilco, um, a night where all these bands are going to play Wil- uh, music from the band Wilco. When's that? Um, that is uh, Friday, July the twelfth at the Five Spot. Neat. Um, there's uh, other uh, like other events where there's multiple, like uh, I guess this uh, this upcoming week I'll be playing with uh, uh, some friends at uh, at a not Zeppelin. It's the Grateful Dead, Fish, uh, and the Almond Brothers. Sweet a tribute. Uh, yeah. Where it's it's going to be. I think, because we're only going to be playing Fish tunes, which I know the band Fish, I understand, um, and I, you know, I, I understand the, the, the following. I haven't listened to a whole lot of Fish, but I'm really excited to, to get on stage and play 
that sort of music. Mm-hmm. I like jam bands. Um, mm-hmm. I never really kind of got into that until the last maybe four years, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but love Grateful Dead now. <laughs> And uh, just that the freedom when you're playing a gig like that, just the freedom to take solos and just, you know, be supported by your bandmates. And everybody's locking into everybody. Everybody's listening. Everybody's trying to play off of each other. It's, it can be really uh, energetic and, and just so much fun. I just think that's interesting. I feel like a lot of people might write off a band simply because their music is like, well, I don't want to listen to this 16-minute long song or something like that, you mm-hmm. know? But, you know, in the right setting or around the right people you know that can be a real incredible experience to play that to listen to that to be around that absolutely I totally agree you know and that's the kind of stuff you're going to be doing I think so that's pretty great do you are you friends with all the people that you play with or do you like do they call you just out of the blue I mean how often do you get to play gigs with your friends and then are you just being hired by people that you don't know quite often what percentage Um, would you say that's a good question I mean, I feel like uh, I, I mean, even just thinking about the, the things that I'm playing coming up, I, I know or have either worked with or, or I guess hung out with um, some different people who, I, who I'm playing with. Um, there have been gigs where I, you know, meet the people the day we're going to jump in the van and go down somewhere in Alabama to play a gig. Um, there definitely have been some of those. So you do one-offs too, um, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's it's all. Again, is um, I do my best to try not to say no to anything that I really don't want to do. Like if there, if there's maybe I need to say that again. If there's something like I, I try to say yes to, to pretty much everything unless there's something I really don't want to do. I gotcha. Um, <laughs> you know, I I I learned. Um, but there's 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 three really main things that I consider when I take a gig. It's do I like the music? Mm-hmm. Uh, do I like the hang? You know the the people, but that also includes like the circumstances. Are we sitting in a van for nine hours? Are we playing a cool venue? Whatever. Yeah. Do I like the music? Do I like the people? The hang? Mm-hmm. Um, and is what's the pay like? Yeah. Am I going to you know in some way am I going to be compensated for my time to learn to rehearse to be prepared? Yeah. to get wherever I need to be to, to do this. Um, and, yes. you know, some some people say it's a, it's a, it's a two out of three rule or, or whatever, however they look at it, but I think it's, it's just one of those things that as, um, as time passes and as I've uh, been able to work on a few things and meet people and show that I can be reliable as a player, as um, in, in, in any circumstance, you know, I... Uh, I try and think about how those three areas can, you know, be maximized. Yeah, yeah. Um, the music might be great. The players might be awesome. You might, you know, really lock in with a bass player. The pace kind of, eh. Mm-hmm. Or <clears throat> the music sucks, but you really like the guitar player, and it's going to pay you a whole boatload of cash. Or it's going to, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, exactly. So it's all, it's all about figuring out how you want to fill your time. Yes. Yes. And I guess that, in a sense, is kind of um, that idea of filling my time with things I want to do is is permeated into other aspects, other areas of my life, you know? Besides music, you mean? Yeah. So you've managed to find a balance while being a musician in Nashville. Yet you do, you spend time doing things you love, too. Well, I love, I love music. I love playing music. 
Um, but I also love uh, being outside and getting dirty. I love uh, playing golf. We've been over that. <laughs> um, you know, I love to. Uh, I love sports. I love traveling. Um, so I, I can just try and do things where I can be around and see things and be around people I want to be around doing things I want to do. Well, it's good to love traveling if you're a musician. I mean, if you want to, if you ever want to do some road stuff, that is definitely, I think, um, um, an important thing to like. You got to. You got to. <laughs> Absolutely. And especially if you're traveling to areas where it's different weather, colder or hotter or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever done cruise ships? I've never done a cruise ship. You ever want to? I've thought about it. Um, I have never really considered uh, going and doing that. Um, I know there's, I mean, there's three month, six month, nine month contracts that you can go and do, right? Yeah. Um, I hear great things about players who go out and do that. Um, you know, really honing their skills and cutting their teeth um, and coming back. And um, but they they say that there's good things and bad things about playing on cruises. I just it's something I haven't explored yet. Just curious. Um, I, I'm thinking about just asking you some rapid fire questions like Uh-oh. that. Um, Please. <laughs> no cruise ships. Question. Okay. What's in, what else you got? Um, <laughs> church. Any church gig? I've subbed some church gigs. Uh, I've subbed for some church gigs. Um, there's a, at the um, West Nashville Cumberland Church. Uh, my friend uh, Kaylee Miller uh, has played there um, for some time. I don't know if she is still active there. I know that she had traveled some, but um, I had filled in a little bit for her there. Um, there was a black church that I played really only two or three weeks at. Um, it wasn't something that I felt particularly well I want to make sure I'm careful how I say this um, the music the gig is something that I have a you know tremendous respect adoration for and understand how it has a yeah uh, uh, plays a pivotal monumental sacred piece for a lot of people yeah and I would want I wanted to go back to the drawing board and improve more before I took a role as something in, yeah. that, in that setting. Yeah, that stuff is so hard, isn't it? It's like, wow. It's um, It just requires so much ear work and um, so much... Oh, my goodness. Um, Responsiveness. Mm-hmm. Playing off of a preacher. Yeah. Using your ear to find a key. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the tunes, the chords are complicated. Yeah. Um, that stuff is great, yeah. Um, okay, what about, like, do you ever do any more, like, musicals and things like that down here? I haven't, no. Uh, favorite song, so you said blues was favorite. Do you also like playing, like, Americana down here? Which, what would be, let's, let's put it this way. What would be your ideal gig? What would just blow your mind My to have happen? <laughs> ideal gig, so as in just, like, the, like uh, I'm going to play a certain night like one specific night in town or a gig that's going to be like for 10 years traveling you know what you can go you can go either direction that you want um like say um would you rather play for (laughs) a an intimate crowd or a large arena let's we'll put it this way we'll narrow it down wow well i've played for more intimate for more intimate crowds than for arenas yeah definitely Uh, me too (laughs) (laughs) um 
or somewhere in between. You know, you don't have to be uh, sure, sure. Exclusive. I think that you know, it, just thinking even here in town, I'll start with. There are so many great venues for so many different great reasons, indoor, outdoor. Whether it's the Ryman or the Bridgestone or the Opry or something uh, outdoors like Ascend Downtown or um, mm-hmm. uh, the Woods Amphitheater, White yeah. Street. You know, there's a lot of. Uh, a lot of a lot of great places to play. Um, I'd love one day to play Ascend. Yeah, uh, I think that you know, anytime that there's uh, people getting together for uh, a, for music outdoors on a beautiful night. Yeah. Uh, with a, you know whether it's a beautiful backdrop or wherever, I think that that's really neat. Yes, me too. Um, I don't uh, I don't necessarily. While I. I you know, I can only imagine the electricity for playing for a large arena, a large amount of people, um, and definitely something to um, that I one day would love to do. Uh, playing in front of a lot of people or, or is, is really not necessarily something that I, I find um, as like, okay, I've arrived, I've, I've done this. Right. It's cool, for sure. Yeah. Um, I just like, you know, like I said, I like an opportunity to play music with other people. Yeah. Or, or share music with others who are listening. Absolutely. Do you write? I do. Okay, I just have this feeling that maybe you do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I never, you never told me that before, but I just had this feeling that you, probably you are working on some material. I, I like to create. I like to improvise. I like to sit at my uh, piano at home uh, and just go. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's in the morning while I'm drinking a cup of coffee. Sometimes it's like late at night when I've got the dryer. I'm waiting for the dryer to finish. Up or something. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, I don't write lyrics, or uh, I don't feel I'm very. I've, I'm not very poetic, um, I, so I haven't ventured a whole, mu- a whole bunch into lyric writing. Uh, but I like to write, and I like to uh, put things. I, li- I like to. Put parts, put sections, put progressions, voicings, voice leadings together. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your favorite? I told you, I warned you, rapid fire. So, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I'm sorry if I'm giving these long drawn responses no, that are, are not at all keeping you from the rapid oh, fire. Heck no, you're just leading me to the next thing. <laughs> um, favorite classical composer, if you can remember, or favorite classical piece that you worked on, oh, my if you can remember. I mean. Or it doesn't have to be classical, like something that you've played that you really, like an apex of something that you really enjoyed learning that you still might play. You know, I mean, I, while, I, while I studied and learned uh, to play uh, a lot of Bach concertos and Beethoven catalog and, 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 and learned a lot of classical music, um, I really don't, these days, keep up with a whole lot of that. Probably... Um, uh, it, it's something that I could and should and will after today get back into <laughs> No, no. Um, I loved to, I've always loved um, WC. Yeah, okay. Impressionist music. Yeah. Um, when I taught uh, in Chicago, uh, teaching the Impressionist period and music and composers and um, kind of doing some cross curricular approaches with the art teacher. Um, really found that like even kids liked the sort of stuff that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved to play um, the first of the arabesques. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and it's actually, it's kind of interesting because I have, I still have this, this piano book that I, um, that I got when I was studying with Larry, the teacher I was with when I was in high school. Right. And that, that piece is in there. And there are some notes in there that, that he wrote that are still there in pencil about um, certain direction or uh, rubato markings that I remember even today him saying like, oh, it's, it's got to be this way, this way, this way, rhythmically, like in time. Right. And one of the things that I really enjoy about playing that piece in particular is that, you know, it, it, for me, it doesn't have to have any, like it doesn't have to be on the clock. Oh yeah. Um, Probably better not to be. Okay. That piece and, and, and impressionist music and in many ways my improvising style are a lot around creating those sounds or those colors, I guess, on a piano. Yeah. Yes, the notes, yes, the chords, the harmonies, but also the instrument, the room. Yeah. Space. Right. Um, I think a lot of um, people, you know, that are in that world probably see Chopin and Debussy as the two masters of that, of sonority, mm-hmm. harmony on the piano, like mm-hmm. how voicings and how to, you know, make the strings vibrate the most and um, um, the most beauty, beautiful um, combinations of notes and progressions and things like that. Yeah. So, um, Wow. So that that just tells me a lot. So you're you're very much a chill person. You're like <laughs> you're like, hey everybody, just relax, take it easy. I, those are words that might come out of my mouth. And very often the blues is just like that in a way. You know, it's sort of the mindset is, is sort it? of yeah. uh, everybody. You know, yeah. Let's just uh, let's just make each other feel better. Let's. <laughs> yeah, I like it. It kind of seems that way to me. Yeah, definitely. So, um, wow. Well, is there anything else you want to touch on? I, um, I don't know. Um, what, well, what are you playing today? You said you had a Roland back mm-hmm. in the day. Are you, what are you playing on today? I've got a, I've got this RD three hundred uh, racked on the bottom of a ultimate stand, ultimate keyboard stand with a. Uh, Hammond SK-1 on top. Okay. Um, again, when I moved down here with the Roland, I learned quickly that you've got to be a... got to know how to play an organ. Um, loved the board and saw, actually, uh, the SK-2 first, um, but uh, wanted to find something that would be at least a little bit like more practical size-wise, setup-wise, um, yeah. to have... To have assembled. Uh, is the SK2? Is it like um? Is it two manuals? Is that what you're saying? One of them's two manuals. It has two manuals, uh, and then the dash. It's got draw bars, and you've got your uh, percussion there. Yeah. Um, I guess on the right hand side with the SK series, they've got some uh, synth. I'm sorry, not some synth. Just uh, some different patches. Like uh, uh, they'll have a couple worlds or and maybe a couple synth leads or something in there, but. Um, and then the, the XK series are just straight organs. So the SK2 is two manuals, but the SK1 uh, is 
just a 15 pound one manual or oh geez that's wonderful 15 pounds is really awesome (laughs) (laughs) it's definitely yeah um my gear thankfully you know all all fits like a game of tetris in my car and that's kind of yeah. In some ways, why I'm afraid to buy other pieces of gear because how's going to you know the concern becomes how's it going to fit in my car? I hear that. <laughs> Who's your favorite keyboard players? <sighs> <laughs> I I really hate that question, but um, you know you can. Make, I love that question. You can answer. I, wish, if you want. I wish I wish I knew. I mean, <laughs> let's see. You can name as many as you want because. Uh, you know, I I, I grew up um, definitely with Billy Joel, with Elton John. Yeah. Um, even John Lennon as a piano player, I remember those were some of the first things that I wanted to start to learn how to play. Um, I love Ben Folds. I love Jamie Cullum. Uh, have you have you ever listened yeah. to Jamie? He's, he's British. Okay. He uh, released a record actually within the last month or so that's... Um, a lot of original material. Uh, the first record of his that my friend Tony got me uh, got in my ears when I was a kid. Yeah. Was uh, a record of his called Twenty Something. Huh. And I'll on the record, on the record, he uh, Jamie pulls uh, songs from like Broadway, New York, uh, like Singing in the Rain. Um, he'll pull songs from Pharrell. Uh, Radiohead, um, and he'll bring them to he'll he'll cover them, but he'll bring them to his style, his instrumentation. Cool. His nuance. Very cool. Yeah. Do you do that too? Do you think? I like to. Would I you like... do solo work? Do you ever do you play solos, solo gigs? Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. did. I like to, and especially you know whether it's. Uh, uh, whether it's you know Easter dinners, Mother's Day brunches, kind of thing, uh, yeah. or Christmas parties, gigs, those sorts of things, those are great. Um, I li- yeah, I like to when when it's just you and a chart or you and a songbook. Yeah, you know, I love to just sit and it's not practice, but it's just it's you going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those can be hard. However, though. you want to go. If they're like two or three hours long, they can be. <laughs> Kind of exhausting. Oh, absolutely. I'm always shaking. I'm always shaking and, and stretching and trying to... I can feel it if I've, if I've played or had a busy weekend. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. What's a typical length of a gig for you? Uh, anywhere from a 30-minute set to a three-hour set. Gotcha. I mean, of, um, yeah, it's all, all and everything in between. It sounds like every week is just like you're totally unpredictable. Basically, as far as gigs go, like I, I thank the calendar app on my phone, and I've got a I've got a big calendar at home that I write everything in when I'm going to be in and around or traveling, or um, you know if I'm uh, if, if I've got someone's birthday, I got to drop a card in the mail and get to them. That's where you know I just I right. You have to stay. I try. I just just try to put put things on the in the squares on the days and stuff. I'm gonna enjoy it and trying to be ready for them. When you get bookings like solo, how did you manage? Do you just have cards and just hand cards out all the time, and just and people just call and say, "Hey, man, can you do do this?" Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's a, it's a phone call or a, or a text message, a Facebook message, a referral from somebody else. Again, you know, yeah. I think that 
and 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 coming here, I, I really have done my best to uh, just be open and honest and an all right guy to, to talk to and approach everybody with respect and dignity because uh, yeah. you never know who might need a keyboard player who might know someone who knows someone who needs a keyboard whatever the case may be absolutely so what's, the, what's your favorite gig that you played down here can you say, think of one or or it doesn't have to be your favorite but one that stands out that you're like oh gosh that was a really special night or uh, I had a a month run uh, as a uh, MDing a production of Charlie Brown Christmas. Cool. It was uh, this live stage production, so there were actors and a script and scene and scene changes and lighting and everything. But uh, the music was just the trio music, and uh, there was a grand piano in the space, which was beautiful. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, I want someone on upright. So it was that drums and upright was the instrumentation for the entire month of shows. Um, I filled out the roster with three different drummers and three different bass players because it was, you know, four shows a weekend. Yeah. And, you know, just like every other gig musician, they're always, people always have stuff on the books. So it ended up, we were able to cover all, I don't know, 20 some, however many dates with, uh, every, all three and three drummers and three bass players. But for me, playing every show, it was like, you know, a merry-go-round of playing the same music. Mm-hmm. Great music, by the way. Yeah. But the same show, each night it was different. While, while, it was, while it was the same for the production, you know, for cues and everything for the stage, there was, um, there was a lot of, a lot of uh, wiggle room. Yeah. Some room to play. And for me, it, as far as gigs that were special, that stand out to me... Um, that was a really tremendous experience that I feel is pretty unique, but also I, I, I feel very fortunate to have had the opportunity to do. That sounds amazing to me, too. I mean, uh, when you say wiggle room, you mean that there was room to improvise slightly. and that well, just, each just player put their Yeah. You know, you know when you look across the stage and someone does something, you just and you, yeah. you look and you, like, make eyes or something like that. It's just, yeah, yeah it's, yes. it's all good. That's, Where was that? That sounds amazing. That was at the Natchez Hills Winery Tasting Room uh, on the Fontenelle property, Much Creek. How awesome that sounds, truly. Beautiful, that, beautiful winery tasting room. It had the, the grand piano in there anyway. The bald they, one with the flames? No, this was a different piano at a different in a different building. <laughs> I think the idea was for us to be kind of behind. You know, in fact, I think they even put some curtains because uh, we weren't we weren't the focus of the show. We had to, you know, as much as we as much as we're on stage as performing and there's lights and and, and all this and that. Mm-hmm. We, for this particular, we weren't the show. We weren't the show. Gotcha. We were in the back, so they put us behind a curtain. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> no flames. Oh, well. But that sounds amazing, truly. Wanted us to be, be more subtle, I guess. Yeah. That's, I mean, that just sounds like such a great gig. It really does. Um, I'm just, I would love to see that show sometime. I was unaware that, there, you know, that it was a stage like the, I guess your events there are There are a couple of, uh, I, I want to say that... Um, there are other productions of that music, at least, around town. Okay. Um, I've never seen that. And I'll definitely have to check that out. We'll, we'll keep eyes on that and, and definitely have to see. And I know that in the wintertime, there's like a huge there's a huge week or two-week run where they do it every night or something like that. Really? I want to say. Would you do it again if they asked? 
hundred percent, a hundred percent. That's great. Again, it was, it was kind of like playing fantasy football where I had a different drummer, drummer A and bass player A one night, drummer B and bass player C the next night. You know, it was, it was, it was so cool. Yeah. I had such a blast. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> Is that a chart reading gig? There was a book uh, that came along with the particular show. Um, with the script and everything, there were you know lighting cues and such that we had to work out with stage management and director. Right. Um, but there was uh, outside of that incidental music, there were I think two or three charts that we played at the top. Just you know, okay, lights down. Here's some gathering kind of music. We're about to start the show. It was a dinner show. Okay. Um, and then <coughs> after the show ended, we had a, a, a tune or two that we played just as kind of like outro music yeah and those were the those were some of the charts off the off the record yeah okay I'm gonna have to come check you out like especially like I'm thinking about this fish gig when, sure when is that I that come here is this upcoming Saturday oh, uh, what July time? the 6th that's uh, we're playing at 10 ah uh, I can't do it no? What do you got going on? Already booked. What do you, what, what, can I ask? You, you're always so gracious to, you were so gracious to say promote myself. What are you doing? <laughs> what do you have going on on July 6th? I'm playing with my house band that uh-huh. I've played with for 25 years. We play three nights a week in Bowling Green, Kentucky. You mentioned that to me once. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you to tell me more about that? I know this is, <laughs> I, I'm interested to hear. Can uh, you tell we me play more? at the Ramada Inn. And yeah. the name of the club that's attached to the Ramada is the Crossroads Bar and Grill. Mm-hmm. And they it's sort of like, you know, a relic, basically. I mean, it's a dinner-serving restaurant that uh, turns into a dance club starting around 10, 1030. And uh, people come and dance until about 1.30. We play rock, country, pop. Um, Are you singing? Oh, yeah. Beautiful. All four of us sing. Nice. We sing leads and backups. Nice. And, um, you know, it's it's a great gig. It's been extremely good to me. It's made me learn, you know, thousands of songs. Um, it's given me regular income. I mean... Beautiful. Yeah. You ought to come up. I've got, I've got a C3 set up on stage. Oh, it stays so up there. It does. Oh. You can come play. That I, is a house gig when you're geared. That's, <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. I've got a piano, and they're set like an L, like Keith Emerson, you know? Uh-huh. So you can, um, you, you can come play organ if you want. I'll play piano or vice versa. Okay. Um, I, you know, we're there Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. Okay. Every week, pretty much. Except for this week, I'm going to see ELO. So don't come up on this one. <laughs> <laughs> That's because. an okay reason. That's an, they're at the Bridgestone, right? Yeah. That's an okay reason to to cop out on a on a Wednesday. Yeah, you know, I don't think they really come to America very often. I mean, last summer was the first time <laughs> I almost went to see them in Detroit. I wow. lived in Michigan for a little while, and um, but then I decided I was just, it was just too far to go. So uh, I'm so glad they came to Nashville. That'll be a great show. It truly will. That'll be great. Yes. So, but I, I really want to catch you in some show that you're really, that you're getting to do what you do, what you would love to do. Be free, be expressive, play with other people, um, play good music, you know. Thanks. All that stuff. I, I try and I do at least a little bit of that, if not every day, every other day. Try not to let too many days pass where that doesn't happen. How great is that? <laughs> There's every every episode has a gold nugget in it, and you just gave me yours. Like so, if you if there's nobody to play with, you sit down and make it happen on your own. Yeah, 
And if there's somebody to play with and you got a gig and like, let's say, what if the music's crappy? How are you going to make it special? That's the challenge. That's the fun part. <laughs> That's the gig you signed up for. So wear the smile and go with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I like to, you know, throw in little stuff here and there. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. That, you know, maybe uh, a little gospel lick here and there mm-hmm. that are uh, tastefully of course. Snuck in. Of course, absolutely. <laughs> something that'll something that'll make uh, make the drummer smile or make the bass player give you a head nod or something. <laughs> absolutely. Yes. That's yes. what it's about. <laughs> well, I bet your um, your co musicians are pretty excited when they see you're on the bill. They're probably like, "Hey, man, we're gonna have fun tonight." Well, this is good. My uh, before I when I was getting ready to to move here, you know, I I told my family I. And I've been blessed with very a lot of support. My, my family's been very supportive. Um, my mom asked me, she said, so, Dan, you want to move to Nashville? You want to be famous? I was like, yeah. I, don't, I, don't care to, I don't care to be known by people. I don't care to be famous or have... Uh, I'm not driven by, uh, I guess, like follows, likes, kinds of things. Either you, know, either you like me or you don't. But um, what I... You know what? What I what I want to do is is just again just kind of make sure that I'm I'm filling my time with being around people that being around musicians who challenge me. I want to grow. I want to learn. I want to be humbled. So I know that uh, there's always players here who can play that much better than you, and that's just is what it is. But you can either use that to discourage you, or you can use that to motivate yourself. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it is definitely a great town to learn, and it's uh, there's so many great musicians, and um, but you know, just keeping keeping in mind, I, I feel like your true north is in the right direction. <laughs> your compass is not broken; it's working well. If if you're focused on doing what you love and having a good time with it, I think so too. Yeah. I think that's that can be a goal for a lot of people. Yeah. Well, I, I hate to, but I know you got to work tomorrow morning probably, so maybe we should bring this to a close. Sure, um, sure. Would you, is there anything else you'd like to talk about, or would you like to play something? I would love to, sure. I've been looking at this kawaii in this, <laughs> in this room for, for this whole time here, kind of itching to play something. Great. Um, well, I will... Um, we'll see how she sounds. Let me move this stuff out of your way. I mentioned that I like to sometimes just sit and not be on a clock and go, whether I'm drinking a cup of coffee or waiting for the washer to go, ready to be going to try or something. Yeah. Um, I'd like to play a song called Infant Eyes uh, by Wayne Shorter. Awesome.
Dan, that was just beautiful. I'm sorry, Thank I just you. had a microphone incident, That's but okay. um, <laughs> we're back. So um, it was incredible. Yeah, just beautiful. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This has been a real wonderful way to spend a Tuesday evening. For real. Thanks. Yeah. Um, where can everybody find out more about you? Like, do you, do you have um, you want to tell them a website or Insta or? Uh, um, I mean, like, do I, you do you list places where you're playing? Like, if somebody like, let's say somebody really dug that and they want to come hear you play solo somewhere, do you ever do that? I'm. I mean, I. I don't have a website. I'm I'm just a guy, I guess. You know, I my I am on Facebook, uh, and my Instagram is just Dan Monaco. Okay. I'll post if I have a, a gig or a, a weekend full of a couple of cool gigs. Um, or I'm usually sharing stuff. Um, if yeah. there's other promotion out that I'm in, uh, for events I'm involved in, so. Well, just, maybe. Uh, Think about, you know, p- starting to post these gigs where you're playing. Okay. Because uh, <laughs> that was just gorgeous. Yeah. Thanks, Amy. Yeah. Thank you. All right, everybody. um, Until next time. Ciao. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Take care.